welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Knock On Podcast. Got up early for you this morning. Well, I actually didn't get up early for you. I got up early for me, but I am up early this morning, had some time, and I wanted to finish up on these questions that we had copied um, from the last podcast, and I didn't have time to get to them. So hopefully we can get these nailed down and get this loaded and out there for your listening ears before your ride to work. I know a lot of you like to have a podcast on while you're at work or going to and from work so this will be it it's wednesday it's hump day you need something to get you going uh hopefully you had an awesome fourth of july weekend i know i did I had some ridiculous eats i can tell you that several of uh, my good buddies and myself and our families pretty much have we're continually having these cook-offs and it's starting to get out of control. I I have I was really off to a good pace for a a summer beach body, I guess, and after a few weekends here of pounding hardcore grill and meat action, I'm starting to slip a little bit, so I've got to get back after it. But we're gonna jump into some of these questions here and there was quite a bit of questions last time regarding veins, arrows. Obviously, this is a this is a revolving door keeps going. There's so many questions, so many things about that. The good thing is, um, my show has officially stopped airing on the Sportsman's Channel uh, last week. So now I'm going to be able to have the ability to get these episodes from season six loaded to the Knock on Archery YouTube channel um, here pretty quick. We're going to start um, putting these on one episode at a time, and we're also going to uh, put together this year's Knocked and Ready to Rock series into a series uh, for you to have as well for free. And the topic this year, in case you didn't have the TV at all, is Arrow Build. So there's going to be a lot of information and cool segments within this year's um, 13 segment Knocked and Ready to Rock series that's going to be specific to arrow building. So this is going to be really good for a lot of you out there who are starting to work on your stuff at home. And I really like that there's so many of you now having the ability to learn and start doing this stuff on your own because a big part of growth as an athlete in any type of field is having a better understanding of the sport in all aspects of it. Uh, There's certainly a fine line there. I've got people that I work with that start to work on their equipment so much to where their focus is almost too much on their equipment and less on themselves. Whereas, you know, there's shooters there's shooters that have been the best in the world 
that have never even known how to work on their bow during a certain amount of time. They always just trusted that within their coach and just pretty much took their bows and focused on the shooting aspect. And there's still some out there. There's some world champions out there right now that just rely on their coaches for that. Um, I've got several students that they're the same. They just want me to work on their stuff and then let them worry about shooting. That's certainly fine, but... um, I also know that if you do have basic knowledge of this stuff, it helps you troubleshoot if at any time you're at a a tournament or a hunt or at an event and you have something that might go wrong because it does happen. I mean, it's archery is a maintenance item. It, It is going to happen. So having the ability to know some of this stuff on your own, for me, gives me the assurance that my equipment is right And I need to just focus on myself and making the shot. Now, some people take that the other way. And because they're starting to learn more about the equipment, they're worrying more about the equipment, focusing less on the fundamentals of just execution. Um, But you really need to kind of look at that the right way. Make sure that if you're learning this stuff, um, you know, don't let it consume your technique and consume your practice it's going to be really really important sorry i had to blow my nose this morning but this first question says and once again we on these questions we didn't copy your name so sorry to not give you credit for whoever asked it but uh says, I just got my new bits and burger jig which in my opinion is still one of the best uh, jigs out there. It's what I personally use. Uh, a lot of people are trying to have different jigs. If you don't have a jig and you want to just start playing around with fletching your own arrows, um, AAE makes a really nifty little jig. It's super simple. It's super basic. It's kind of a one fletch at a time type thing. Uh, it's set at a one degree offset. It's uh, it's just pretty simple, pretty basic, but I actually always travel with one because it's, it's plastic, it's light. Um, if I ever have to do a repair in the field, I can do it, and it's set to the same offset degree as my Bitsenberger. However, um, back to this question, I just got my new Bitsenberger jig. I have 12 Easton FMJ shafts. I've watched the new season of Knock On, and I want to test the different fletchings and configurations. Most fletching packs are quite large quantities. How do you go about buying smaller amounts in order to test these different setups? Um, And also, where do you get your arrow wraps from? So, um, what what this person's referring to is what I just talked about earlier with the new Knocked and Ready to Rock series that's coming out on one of the, it's a step-by-step process of building the arrows. And then towards the end of the series, I have arrows that we've completely built. And then I talk about how to actually uh, tune those arrows or how to compare shafts and vein configurations and show you what those results mean to you um, when selecting either your configurations or your types of shafts or even spine. Um, So with fletchings, we, 
we sell ours um, on the website at knockonarchery.com in 40 packs. And, you know, I do that and have them at a price that's cheap enough to where you can you can buy a couple different ones. What I'd recommend is not really focusing on um, fletching your arrows with two colors right off the go. Um, instead of getting, you know, for example, a lot of people like their um, cock vein a different color. Um, instead of buying two whites or a pack of white and a pack of green, um, what you may want to do instead is just buy one solid color and then with that next pack, uh, buy a different vein entirely. Uh, I can tell you as a hunter, there's really three veins that I focus on, um, it, in the, at least in the AAE line that I like and I personally use. Um, I would say it's either going to be the Max Pro, um, which from my testing is going to be in a four-fletch is how you're going to need to do that. Um, and you'll need a Bitsenberger to do a four-fletch. Uh, otherwise the new max stealth vein in the 260 which is actually a three inch vein um, or the max hunter which is a two inch high profile vein and you know for you can buy those three 40 packs for uh, a reasonable price and if you're just getting the one color of each then you know ideally you're only buying one extra pack of veins compared to what you normally will and once you've decided what you like uh, then go ahead and fill in those gaps. But yeah, we do sell ours in 40 packs for that reason. Um, when it comes to the arrow wraps, for right now, uh, we offer some knock-on wraps. At um, It's actually, I think it's custommadearrowwraps.com. I'm going to look up here um, as I'm talking. I'm going to look up the knock-on um, versions. I made several versions for them. Um, they'll ship them right to your house. So it it's a it's a pretty good system. It's hard it's hard for me to stock wraps because there's what's really awesome about these wraps is they are custom made to the you tell them exactly what your shaft diameter is. You can tell them exactly the length that you want. Um, I personally don't like to have a, a long, full-length um, wrap. I don't like a 5-inch wrap, for example. Um, what I normally do is I'll fletch my arrows to where the back of my vein is about one and a quarter inches from the throat of my knock. So... Um, what I'll do is I'll take that measurement and kind of mark my shaft and then where the back of that vein sits, I'll set a three inch vein on there and then measure about a half inch in front of that three inch vein. And whatever that measurement is from the back of the arrow shaft to where I just told you, uh, you can tell them that that's how long you want the shaft to be. But, uh, yeah, if you go to custommadearrowwraps.com, um, when you click on the website on the top left, there's uh, a tab that says Arrow Wraps. Uh, the f as soon as you click on that, the first 
the first line or the first thing at the top of that drop down is knock on so we must we must be kind of selling a bunch of them on here for it to be the top selection uh, but click on that you can see I've got several different designs patterns that I've made different colors and uh, they're awesome people they ship it right to your house and you're good to go so um, hopefully that should help you out uh, on the just so you know on like that bits and burger uh, I set mine right normally from anywhere from one degree to one and a half degrees for my offset um, it'll depend a lot on probably the distance that I'm shooting what that offset would be uh, if I'm shooting close to mid-range I'll have more offset uh, I'll certainly have more of like an offset or more of a helical on my indoor arrows versus my outdoor arrows and I talked a little bit about that on the last podcast if I remember right so uh, hopefully that helps you out the next question here is on fletchings again and as I've said many times when we copy and paste these questions I don't uh, go through them this is all impromptu so uh, I'm just looking here I mean, actually just took a sip of, I've got some coffee that I'm drinking right now that's pretty awesome. Sharon wanted a new Nespresso coffee machine for her uh, Mother's Day present, so I got her one, and it's the one with George Clooney and Danny DeVito on the commercial, and I must say it is pretty good. They're not a sponsor, by the way, I'm just telling you. Um, okay, next question here. I'm looking into a four fletch low pro low profile vein. It's two inch and it's 0.3 for height. Is there a good rule of how low or high how high a vein should be for steering a broadhead? So a lot of what um you're fletching a lot of your fletching importance has more to do with the actual design of the broadhead more so than the design of the vein. Um, certain broadheads are much more aerodynamic and much more flight friendly than others. Um, and this is a big part of the test and a big part of the series that I talked about is seeing these comparisons and seeing these results for yourself. Um, there's certain broadheads that I found that are top selling broadheads on the market that just will not fly with a short high profile vein like like a blazer vein or even a max hunter vein or any of these short high profile veins that are on the market you know if it if it has more blade surface or more surface area on the front of that broadhead versus the steering capability of the fletching, then any inconsistency in how that broadhead fits the shaft or aligns um, will greatly start to show negative results on paper. So you really need to do some of this testing for yourself. If you have a two inch uh, low profile vein like that, um, again, the four fletch for me has proven to be a lot more effective last year. Um, for a big part of the year, I shot the 
Max Pro vein, which is a very low profile vein. It's mainly a 3D vein, but I shot it as a four fletch and I did ballistic comparisons, which for me, a ballistic comparison is when I take all my vein configurations and shoot them downrange out of a shooting machine at longer distances. Preferably for me, I do it at 80 to 100 yards. Um, for the Knocked and Ready to Rock series, I think I did it at 60 yards. Um, but you can start to see a separation even at 40 and 50 and 60 yards. You can start to see a separation. And the further you go, the more separation you'll have. But the four-fletch um, of this short, low-profile vein had very equal um, comparisons to the Max Stealth vein, which I talked about earlier. They were super close, uh, and they were the two that the two best results that I had for actual drop. They were retaining their speed the best. Um, however, I can say when it came to more fixed blades, the three inch low profile vein certainly had better results over a broader spectrum of fixed blade broadheads versus that four fletch low profile. Now you can try a short high profile vein in a four fletch, which many people do. And I've also seen um, some people going one step further and taking, and it's actually pretty cool if you want to try it, um, but that short low profile vein that you're talking about, if you are going to be shooting a fixed blade head and a decent head uh, that has good flight, which in my opinion from what I've tried, I can tell you that if I'm going to um, not be uh, biased to any particular company, um, I can tell you that from a fixed blade point of view, there's several that have had awesome results for me. Uh, a Muzzy Trocar, a Shuttle T-Lock, um, the Slick Trick, the Solid, and let's see, um, also a G5 Striker. Those are all very good flying fixed blade heads. Um, and I also have shot fixed blade heads with a six fletch, uh, which is pretty cool. It almost looks like a golf ball going through the air. So what you do is you'll take your, um, you'll take your jig and, and you'll, uh, do your three fletchings just like you normally would. And then what you do is when you, right after you do that third fletch, um, you'll just take the arrow, slide the arrow up and turn it, turn it 180 degrees, uh, and then slide the knock back in and then just go and do, and do your three fletches again. And, um, you'll have a six fletch and, uh, it's pretty good. I know that, uh, I shot that I've shot one of those setups, uh, years ago in the past now it will they do have slightly more noise uh, but they will spin like a top and it looks going through the air and being able to actually see your arrow well uh, it's extremely good um, looks like it like I said it looks like a golf ball going through the air um, if you combine those with a lighted knock they're highly visible 
um, for any of you whitetail hunters that are shooting, you know, closer shots, um, or especially any of you who are shooting, want to have a cool little configuration, you shoot a mechanical head, uh, this is something to be fun to play with. Uh, they do have a lot of, there's a lot of vein, there's a lot of steering back there. So, um, you do need to, you do need to realize it is going to slow down, uh, pretty fast. So if you're, if you're the type of archer that's shooting past 50 yards, that will slow down at a pretty, uh, well, it'll slow down at a high rate of speed. It'll slow down comparable to a four inch fletch downrange. But like I said, if you're uh, a whitetail hunter shooting 20, 30, maybe 40 yards, uh, you might want to give that a try. See how it, see how it looks, see how it flies. Uh, I think you'll have fun with it, but trying stuff like that out is really what it's all about. Um, especially this time of year. Now's the time to jack around with your equipment. Um, too many people wait until next month to get ready for archery and you just don't have the time to do this stuff. Uh, late June, early July, that's the time where I'm really playing around with my equipment, trying different things. Um, Right now I'm shooting my hunting bow quite a bit. Uh, my target bows are starting to slowly uh, get less reps out of them. My hunting bow is moving up. Um, I actually, uh, because I'm still in a transition period between my target bows and my hunting bow, I actually took my Sherlock and I took my um, f my five pin aperture off my site and I put a single pin aperture on, um, mainly because I'm still enjoying shooting some tournaments and stuff locally and shooting, um, a lot of variable distances. So I don't mind having a single pin while I'm in practice mode. Um, once I get closer to, my hunting season, I'm certainly going to go, um, back to a, a fixed pin, uh, multiple pin aperture. I just know that as a hunter for me, uh, there's been too many times where game comes in really fast and having to change my sight, uh, with a single pin has just gotten me in trouble in the past. So I really like having a multiple pin site with the ability to then move that whole site and use my bottom pin for longer yardages. Um, but for right now, if you see the video, um, if you kind of follow my social media stuff, uh, which hopefully you do, yesterday I posted a video on the Knock on Archer YouTube channel um, giving you a tip of what I was working on in my practice I talked about a practice um, a practice technique that I use and that I've written about in the past called selective cycling. And I'll let you go and watch that video to see what I'm talking about. But um, in that video, you'll see that I have a single pin, um, single pin sight on my hunting bow. And that's what I'm going to practice with throughout the summer. And, uh, you know, I will be changing it to a multi-pin site closer to season. Uh, shades just woke up here under my desk. 
So she's kind of not understanding why we're doing podcasts at, at four and five in the morning, but that's what we do. Shades. That's what we got to do. Um, next question here. Let's see. Um, I saw your latest video shooting the wolf at 40 yards. Are you using the cable stop option or the limb stop option on your hyper edge? So this is actually, um, because I posted that other video last night, this is actually two videos ago. Um, so on the newer Hoyts, you have the ability to use two cam stops, one that touches the cable, one that you can set to where it touches the limb. Uh, the one that touches the limb is certainly a more solid stop. Um, and I change there's if I if I have a bow that I've been um, that I've been shooting enough and I'm happy with and I know I'm not going to be putting in my bow press much or at all, then I'll put the the limb stop on. Um, but if I'm there's been several of my bows that I've been shooting so much that I've gone through a couple strings already. Um, so and actually that's what I just did on this. Defiant that I was shooting in the video uh, yesterday. That Defiant I've had for half a year now, so I've probably um, I've probably put fifteen thousand or so shots through it, maybe. Um, and I had to do a string change, so I just did a string change. Since I did that, I have not put my stop back in on this particular bow. And on my silver hyper edge, I have not put uh, the stop back in that bow either, simply because I did a string change on that one as well recently. Um, so once I make that string change, I do like to shoot them for a little while. I'll shoot them for a week or so just to make sure um, there's no settling or just make sure that I don't end up wanting to turn my peep or move my peep up or down or something like that. Um, especially with my hunting bow, like I said, I'm shooting a single pin sight on my bow right now um, while I'm practicing throughout the middle of the summer. Um, and because of that, I actually, because I have a 35 millimeter front sight, I actually put in a smaller peep sight on my hunting bow for right now as well. So I know that I'm going to end up uh, taking that smaller peep out, putting the hunter peep on. I'll end up changing that front sight aperture. And because of that, I'm not shooting the limb stop peg. Uh, because every time you put it in a bow press, or at least the bow press I've been using, I do have to um, take that peg in and out each time I do that. So I've been just using the cable stop and... The other thing too is because I pull through my shots, um, I actually like to have, and I shouldn't really call it give, but when I have that really super solid clunk to a wall, which I know a lot of people like that feeling, especially when they're in a store and they pull a bow back with their fingers and they they're just pulling a compound back and it pulls really easy and then it just clunks right into a super hard solid wall. Um, 
what happens is if you start to shoot the right way and you're focusing on executing a shot the way that I emphasize what I feel is best um, and what I practice and what I preach on these podcasts and what I preach in all of my my coaching, um, being dynamic and moving through the shot and pulling through the shot just the same as what an Olympic-style recurve shooter does, I believe that you need to have a little bit of give on that cam as you're pulling through the shot. Otherwise, if it's so solid and you are trying to pull through that shot, a lot of times that forces you to pull yourself off the target as well. Um, you know, if if a recurve shooter had a dead solid back wall, they just wouldn't really be able to shoot um, a clicker the same. It would be really hard, and because they're trying to pull so aggressively against a solid thing, that movement in the rear is going to cause movement in the front as well. So um, I really like the fact that the back wall on most of the bows that are out there, they feel they have a, a solid stop, but not like a brick wall stop. I think the bows that pull and literally have that brick wall feeling. I think that if you're being a dynamic shooter pulling through your shot, then it also starts to cause you to move off the target a little bit. So if you're a shooter that's been struggling with that, you may want to try to figure out a way to where your cam has just a little bit more give like maybe put a soft piece of rubber or something around that peg to where it has just a little bit of give. And I think that you'll find if you're being dynamic, pulling through your shot, that you're going to find that this actually helps you and prevents you from pulling yourself off the target while you're aiming. Okay, uh, let's see. Next question here is, I ordered a Carbon Defiant 34 with a number 2 cam. I've read about people having high knock tears. Should I be worried about uh, being able to tune this bow? Uh, no, for sure not. So I was actually going to do a video, and I did do a video last week um, about this. I had read a few people that had had some trouble, and um, I was doing a video about things that you can do really with any, there's several bows out on the market this year and from several companies, people having problems with high tears, um, with almost all of those bows, you can get rid of a high tear, um, by using, um, a limb driven style, um, rest. And what's happening is a lot of the, a lot of these bows, the way this arrow is cycling through, it's pushing some of the standard fall away, fall away rest. It's pushing that rest down so fast that it's actually slapping and coming back up and touching the bottom of the shaft, and that's what's causing those high tears. Um, the other thing is on some of the launcher-style blades, um, some of the blades, if people are keeping the blade angle too steep or if they're shooting too stiff of a blade to support the arrow, uh, it's doing the same thing. At the, ta at the very last few inches of that draw cycle, 
um, that knock travel is pushing down into the rest and it's causing that rest to spring back up and hit the back of the shaft and give you that high tear. Um, certainly for several different bows that I've tested, um, a drop away or a smackdown or limb driven style rest uh, clears that up really quick. The other option is, uh, believe it or not, um, on my hyper edge, one of my bows, I was um, dealing with some high tears for one of them, and on the other one, I was not. And what I found was the one that did not give me any problems at all was the one where I just changed out my strings and cables. Um, I had taken my factory sets off and put on some uh, some Winner's Choice uh, custom sets, and I did not replace the speed knocks on the string. Um, I just went with a regular raw string. You do lose a few feet a second. Um, the speed knocks are on the string so that mainly because the bow companies are all fighting for who has the fastest or as fast bow. So they're they're putting these speed weights on the strings to try to get three, four feet a second. Um, but those speed weights do have effect on knock travel. Um, what you can do is you can either uh, have less weights on the top of the string uh, or choose to just not put any speed knocks on the string at all. Uh, but changing those speed knocks does change your knock travel. Um, I know that I had seen um, some posts about some of the newer Matthews halons having um, tears that people weren't able to get rid of uh, through paper as well. And Dan McCarthy said the same thing. He actually um, just uh, removed speed knocks. I believe on that model it was from the top of the string as well uh, and was able to get to get his bow to tune properly by changing the speed knocks. Uh, same is true right now with, with some of these, and certainly not all. Um, it's just nature of the beast right now. Um, but some of the, the traditional style fallaway rests that are pulled by the cable, um, they are going down and smacking the riser and coming back up um, in some of the high-speed footage that I've done. Um, and that's what's kind of given the problem. So uh, once again, remove uh, speed knocks from the top, go to a limb-driven style rest, um, or the other option um, for those of you, if you have this problem on, I know on a um, hyper edge, I would assume it's the same because it's the same cam that's on um, on the Defiance, but the other option is for you to put your top cam in one setting longer than the bottom cam and then retime the bow so that the cams are touching the cables in sync. Um, so for example, on my particular bow on and I tried I tried all three of these methods on my hyper edge, and that's what I had filmed. But like I said, something was wrong with my microphone, so I didn't publish it. But um, I on on those hyper edges, the one that gave me the high tears, um, I kept the factory string on it with all the speed knocks, 
Then I put a, a limb-driven style rest on there. It it went away. It shot perfect. Um, I put that original um, blade style rest back on the bow. Shot it again. I was getting the high tear. So then what I did was I took my top cam. I put it in the E position. Um, I put the draw peg in the E position, the module in the E position. I kept my bottom cam in the D position where I had it. Then I retimed the bow so that both cams were touching the same time at full draw. Then I had to shorten my string up a little bit to shorten my draw length back down to where I needed it to be. Um, but what you're doing by changing that position of the top cam is you also start to change the knock travel. Um, and once I did that, uh, I was able to shoot the factory string with all the speed knocks and get a good result through paper. But I did have one cam in one position and one cam in another position, but they were synchronized, if that makes sense. So there's really three ways uh, to skin that cat, so to speak. Um, let's see. Next question here is, what type of flashlight are, are you using that's clipped to your hat on the show? Kind of a crazy question, but you use top-of-the-line products and no sense um, buying any junk. I want to find the best light. So for my lights... Um, all of my lights, I've been using um, Cyclops lights, and they're they're not going to be a super high end um, light. They're not going to be, um, and I'm saying that when it comes to to actual cost. Um, but the little clip light that I have on my hat, and you can go to it's cyclopssolutions.com is their website. Um, this is actually one of the companies of the GSM Outdoors group. And they're the same people that make Stealth Cams and Walkers Game Ears. Um, they're really, really good people too. Um, my good buddy Ben um, went to work for them. So he actually sent me a bunch of these things and kind of said, you know, Dud, will you try these out? Because he said, you know, I know that our price um, isn't like a super high-end price. So he said, I think a lot of people are underestimating how these things work. Um, and I can tell you that I've got, what I like about it is because their price is right, uh, for example, on a lot of their headlamps, one, what I like about it is that a lot of these are available in green. I'm a big fan of green lights. I like green way better than red and certainly better than white when it comes to going in and out of my stand. Um, but you can get these uh, different little packable headlamps for you know anywhere from 20 to 30 bucks for the little headlamps. Um, and then for... Um, trying to think here and then for the for the you go on to the again it's um it was cyclops solutions or you can go to gsmoutdoors.com i'm just looking here while we're talking but um and then if you go to 
for whatever reason, you go to handheld light or you go to specialty lights and that's where you'll see the clips for your hat. Um, they're only 10 bucks. You can get them in white or you can get them in green. Um, and then they also make a hat, another, uh, hat clip light. What I will tell you is any of those hat clip lights I've ever had, um, if you try to like bend them too much, they will break because they, they are really, really small. Um, which is what I like about them. They fit right under the brim of my hat. They're probably, um, about one inch by one inch and I used them all through the season and absolutely loved mine. Um, I actually bought a whole, they're only 10 bucks. I bought a whole box, a box of 10. I gave them, I gave a bunch to my friends, uh, because I really liked them, but they also have, uh, flashlights and they have like handheld spotlights, uh, big old spotlights I use for my tracking lights. Uh, some are rechargeable, some are plug-ins. They've got, some are, um, battery operated ones. Uh, but there's tons of freaking options and their prices are awesome. Um, I recently just bought their varmint light, um, that goes on my 223 predator rifle. And I really like that sucker too. Um, overall it's been, these guys are really good and, and I've got, I've actually got Cabela's lights and Streamlight lights. Um, I've got, man, I've got so many flashlights, but in the end, uh, these ones just, they pack super easy. I can have several of them in my pack. Um, I can have some in my car. I can have some in my pack and you're just not worried about only having one. Uh, but that's where you're going to find them. And yeah, thanks for noticing that. Appreciate it. And they do, they do work awesome. Um, let's see. Next question here is, um, thank you so much for the podcast. It's been an awesome learning tool for me. I've been shooting for about three years and consistently can shoot inside of paper plate 80 yards with field tips. I've heard about spin testing on broadheads. How is that done? I know about the tool that you use, but I would really like to know if there's a way to fix a spin on a broadhead if it's not right. Um, if I buy a pack of broadheads for 40 bucks, and if one doesn't spin correctly, now I'm already out of, mo- out of money. I only have two. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's spin testers that allow you to set an arrow on there and you roll the arrow and you can see how that spins. Um, you can also just set it on your finger and spin. A lot of this has to do with, depending on the broadhead design, um, you really need to, if you have the type of design where blades fit into the ferrule of the device or the broadhead and then a collar goes around it, Depending on how that collar fits on those broadheads um, or on those blades, when you tighten it down, if those blades aren't all seated perfectly into the ferrule, then when that collar goes against the back of the broadhead and then you tighten it onto the shaft, it may not be sitting perfectly flush or perfectly square on the shaft. So it can give you that slight wobble. Um, I can tell you that a big part of why 
I like my rage at hypodermic so much um, is because they spin perfectly all the time. Any type of broadhead that has a screw on tip is going to possibly give you a problem at how it spins. Any type of broadhead that has a little bitty blade in the very front of the ferrule, um, like a, a miniature little quarter inch blade, tip blade, um, those are very common to not be seated perfectly in there, so they'll wobble. Um, the other thing is when your shop cuts your arrows off and in their arrow saw, if their arrow saw is not perfectly square, then you can actually have a shaft that isn't perfectly square. So then when you screw your broadheads on there, uh, many times they won't spin perfectly true. So a really good thing to buy is, um, and G5 makes it, you can go to LancasterArchery.com. Um, it's under one of my preferred tools. Um, if you go to the Pro Picks, you can click on my on my face, and you can see all the different little things that I buy. Every time I buy something, they flag it, and it's on there, which I buy stuff from there all the time. So um, it'll flag it, but it's the G5 ASD tool and what it is is you set your arrow in this device and it's got a diamond blade on one side and then it's got a, a diamond sanding uh sanding surface on one side and then it has um almost like uh an aluminum shaving device on the other side um and when you put your arrow in there and you roll it it actually grinds off your arrow shaft perfectly square um, and it's nice because like I said it has this little bitty um, cylinder on the end that on one end of that cylinder it's diamond sand and then on the other end of the silver it's a it's a aluminum shaver so you can there's one little um, allen screw that you can back out and you can flip that barrel around depending on whether you're using an aluminum arrow or a carbon style arrow and when you set that arrow in there you just roll it and it sands it off perfectly square and you would be amazed at how much better your broadheads will spin if you use this tool all the time um, especially on carbon shafts and the other thing too is this is a great tool for allowing you to index your broadheads um, a lot of people don't index their blades with their veins and I can say that you don't necessarily have to have your veins in your blades perfectly aligned um, but what you do have to have is you have to have that positioning the same on every arrow so in other words if I have 12 arrows I can't have six of them that they line up perfectly with veins and another six that don't. I either need to have them all not lining up the same way on the veins or lining up the same with the veins, but it does need to be one way or another. It can't, it can't just be um, not indexed equally on all the shafts because especially at the speeds we're shooting now it has a big importance on this and 
this was actually something that um, Randy Ulmer had written about that it did not matter. And I called him and I told him that it does matter. And I told him why. And I showed him some pictures of of why it does matter. And then um, he ended up doing some, some extra testing and agreed uh, that, yeah, you're right for, you do need to have them indexed the same on all the arrows. And that ASD, um, arrow squaring device that G5 makes is an awesome little tool, uh, for being able to do that. You can get them all to spin really, really well. And, um, again, depending on the style of broadhead you have, if you have one that has a collar that seats up against the back of your blades in your, um, in your actual broadhead ferrule and if you have one that doesn't spin very good then take the blades out move the blades um, over to a new slot you know and kind of move them over one slot put them all back in and keep tightening that arrow down and trying to seat that collar slightly different against the back of the arrow and you'll see that eventually you'll get it to spin now if you have um, a screw on tip or one of those front blades that's just not aligned properly, which there are some companies where that you're going to find that, then, yeah, you might be best just taking it back. Um, try it on a different arrow, too, because, again, arrows do have variation, so um, you're actually just as likely to have an arrow uh, that isn't spinning perfectly true um, you're just as likely to have that as you are to have a broadhead that's not spinning true, especially if you're not buying arrows that have a, a really high tolerance. Um, last question here is, can you please discuss the Sherlock slider sights? I'm considering the purchase of a new site. I would also be interested to hear your opinions on multi-pin sights and single-pin sights in relation to both target archery and bow hunting. Okay, so... Actually, with that question, um, this is going to be, I'm going to use that question to talk about something that I kind of forgot about even mentioning. Um, I know this weekend, um, Cam Haynes, myself, and Joe Rogan are going to be together, and I got a message from Cam last night asking if I'd do a podcast with him with his new keep hammering podcast. So I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. I know a lot of you have been asking about it. So, um, I'd like to continue to help cam get some momentum on his podcast. So, um, instead of, instead of us doing a knock on podcast, I think we're going to do a keep hammering podcast or maybe a JRE podcast. I'm, I guess I'm not sure, but we will be doing one. I'm going to save this multi-pin versus single pin question for um the three of us because this is something that we will we'll have a good little talk about um but in reference to my sherlock slider site um just so you know on that slider site with the new carbon defiance the way the carbon is shaped you'll actually have to get a quarter inch um, shimming plate to put under that site to bring it a little bit further off the riser so that the back arc piece 
that you slide up and down so that it clears that back uh, roller guard carbon that's back there. Um, I personally like having the ability of having a multi-pin sight that you can then move the entire sight up and down, and that's what the slider um, offers. So I do really like that style of sight. Um, but you will have to get a little quarter inch plate made um, to shim that out. And I'll I'll try to take a picture of that um, if I can and post it. Um, but there's a lot of good sites out there. Um, honestly, I've been I've played around with several. I've played around with spot hogs. Um, I've been setting up so many bows for people that I've almost seen them all. Um, I, and I, I bought several just to try. Um, and if there's any of you that listen to the podcast, if any of you listen to the podcast have companies, archery companies, products, um, get a hold of me because I buy a ton of stuff just to try so that I can answer these questions. Um, I bought a, a CBE site, uh, the tech hybrid, uh, really liked it. I really liked it. I also bought the um, the AccuTouch TrueBall site. Um, all these sites have kind of cool benefits, pros and cons with all of them, to be honest with you. Um, in the end, I'm still shooting my Sherlock, my original Sherlocks, um, but they they do have some cool features. I love the the laser etched um, metal plates for the sight calibration that the um, CBE has, but then I also really liked, um, the overall movement and the, the actual aperture and pins of that AccuTouch too. So there's pros and cons to both, but I can say that, uh, I'm still shooting my Sherlock and really like it. So, uh, with that, we are done with these questions so uh, and we're about an hour into the podcast so hopefully i'll uh, be able to talk to you guys again soon here in the next few days when uh, me cam and joe get together and we're going to get on some of these subjects if you guys want to um, let us know let me know if there's any subjects you want me to get in in a little bit of a chat with uh with cam so uh, appreciate you guys all out there working hard. Truckers, you know I love you. Uh, keep on trucking. I'll try to do more of these podcasts, but uh, no promises as to ha- how many. And if any of you are heading to the tournament this weekend, good luck, my friends. Stay safe and keep shooting. We only have a few more months of summer here left. Make sure you spread the word. Click the share button, please. Make sure you share this. Let people know where they can learn stuff. All right, talk at you later. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. Knockonarchery.com.